Welcome to Find Your Sexy, the podcast that encourages self-love and celebrates female sexuality. I'm your host, Kelsey Valletta, and I want to help you discover your own unique sexy and learn to embrace it every single day. Thank you so much for joining me as we break the stigma together. Welcome back to Find Your Sexy. My guest this week is Lacey O'Malley. Lacey is a filmmaker, writer, and host of the Make Sure Your Friends Are Okay podcast on Apple and Spotify. She is super passionate about mindset and mental health, using her own personal life experiences and hardships to connect with others. She strives to normalize the human condition and be there for other people, which I just love. She is also the creator of Hashtag Notes to Pass, a passion project in which she hides hand-painted and written inspirational notes for strangers to brighten their day. She encourages those who find them to rehide the notes for others to discover. So basically, she's just the kindest human on the planet, (laughs) and I'm so honored to have her as my guest today. Hi, Lacey. Hi, thank you. That was very sweet. <laughs> well, I mean every I'm single like word. Blushing. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean it. I mean, thank you so, so much for being here, coming on the show. Um, you know, I was trying to think about how you and I met and know each other. And I think it was, I, I know I met you through Studio Four. Totally. And I know. I, I was like, I, I was trying to remember that too. I kind of think I know. I kind of don't. I, exactly. And I was like, I don't know <laughs> if I was ever in acting class with her. I'm not sure if you were in one of the classes that I, when I was interning and I couldn't quite remember because I was like, I don't think I've ever personally worked with Lacey. Like, I don't I think don't I've know. ever personally worked with her, but we've always known each other. I've known like <laughs> of what you're doing and it just isn't, I'm like, we can't really place it. I know I was, you were in, were you in the writing class? So yes, there it is. So maybe that, yes. I think that's what it was. We were both writing our films. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Okay. And we yes, did like the table right. reads and stuff. I think yes. that's what it was. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. Figured okay. It out. <laughs> this makes sense now. I kind of forgot I did that. So thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about it this morning and I was like, I think it was the writing class. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So crazy. Well, I just have to say, like, obviously I've followed you on social ever since we met and I'm just so inspired by your loving and caring spirit. Like you genuinely really just care about people so much. And I love that you promote self-love and self-acceptance and you just want people to know that whatever they're feeling is okay and that they're also not alone. So I was like, of course, I mean, no, I'm, and I I was like, I have to have her on the podcast because like, this is a conversation that I would love to have with you and that I know my listeners could benefit from as well. So you are amazing. Thank you. It's so, it's so nice hearing you say the, the part about like how, how you feel when you look at it is Mm -hmm. that I am, I am promoting, um, that for people to know that their feelings are valid and that they're not alone, because that truly is, it's like so much of what I feel like I'm trying to do. And so it's really cool to hear you say that that's um, something that you take away from it. That was really, I mean, I was like, Oh, I'm getting butterflies. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And and it is. And I love you do um, like a a weekly deep dive question, right? Mm -hmm. That's today. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Like what, what inspired, I mean, I have so many questions for you, but since we're here, like what inspired you to start doing those and having those conversations? 
Well, that's just literally because I live alone. (laughs) And when COVID started, I was so bored and so lonely that I wanted to have more deep connected conversations with people Mm -hmm. because I just feel like in person, I have a way of maybe it's probably very uncomfortable to most people, but I just want to have deeper conversations. I, I just hate the surface level stuff. I hate the whole pretending that like everything is just hunky dory and we're just, everybody's, you know, like so at an arm's length. So I always try to like dig in deeper with people. And during the pandemic, I wasn't meeting new people. I wasn't seeing my friends and I just felt like I was craving deeper conversation. And so that's why I started doing it. Cause I wanted to like have people actually get deep and then be able to like with the response on my story and then be able to kind of direct message with them if it felt like it was resonating with me. Um, so that's kind of why I started doing that. <laughs> and do you feel like, have you been getting a great response from people? Like have been people? Yeah. What's it? really cool is um, it's funny. Cause it's almost the same people that respond every mm. single week. And what's really exciting is a lot of the people who are responding now are people who have um, like kind of joined my network within the last, I mean, before this last year, most of my, like, I guess you'd say followers were um, like friends and family members mm-hmm. and coworkers and stuff. And since we started doing the podcast and I started doing more speaking engagements and stuff, I've started to get random people that I don't know. And they're the people who will engage. So it's cool. Cause it is like, I've met new people and there's, you know, like there's a couple people who have come on because they were fans of a guest that we had on our podcast. Um, and it's really neat how comfortable they feel being able to like get deep with me. So that's been cool. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I feel like having a podcast, uh, having a podcast is the best. Like it gives you this platform to connect with new people who like you just wouldn't have an opportunity to meet like otherwise Mm -hmm. in real life. And it's people that are like, yes, I love that they're having this deep conversation. I love having these deep conversations. So then they come onto, to your, you know, social pages and are like, oh, I want to have these deep conversations with Lacey. She'll like, she'll like, it's like, they almost feel like they're a guest on your podcast because you can go deep with them. Totally. And that's kind of what I want. I want it to feel like a community of people being able to like connect. I mean, sometimes it can be, there's like the reverse side that can be a little hard because, um, you know, I'm not like a licensed therapist. I'm not, but, and sometimes I do get messages that feel a little heavy and, and I want to be able to be there for somebody, but it's also one of those things where it's like, okay, I it's, I'm trying to still find my balance of how much I'm available to people and for what and how much I need to be staying private because my way of like validating, validating people and connecting with them is by like trying to connect through my own experiences as well, because I feel like you can't make someone feel like they're not alone or feel, feel truly heard unless you're, you're willing to like give them what you're asking them to give. And, um, sometimes I I walk this line because I do want to have a certain anonymity to myself while also being able to feel like, accessible. I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing I'm trying to figure out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand that because you're talking about such, um, like vulnerable topics that Mm -hmm. like you want to open up and also share parts of your story, which I, which I totally get. Cause like I have those moments on the podcast too, but you know, it's like you have all these other things in your life and you're not just, you know, um, 
the the host of make sure your friends are okay podcast right, right. and like you have to make sure you're also okay <laughs> and exactly it's like <laughs> put that, your own oxygen that, mask on first exactly yeah. exactly and like you know you're not a licensed therapist so like at some mm-hmm. there, there has to be a point where i can only imagine like that's probably difficult because you're also like this caring human that's like i want to help like i want to be mm-hmm. there for you but like there's a line at some point yeah i just always have to remind people like i, I hear you and your feelings are valid I'm not a therapist. I'm never going to claim to be. So I can't give you professional advice. I can always say this is something that has worked for me, but I always recommend seeing a licensed therapist, no matter what it is that you're going through. I think it's important. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Okay. I want to kind of back up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we are on find your sexy. So oh, sorry. Oh, my you're fine. Straw. You're fine. <laughs> I appreciate it. Is that a metal straw? Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, Sorry, I needed a, gla- a drink. Oh of my water. gosh, you're fine. We're doing our part to uh, help save the planet, stay hydrated all at once. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I ask every guest who comes on the show. Okay. When was the first time you ever remember feeling sexy? And what did it mean to you in that moment? Okay, that's a really good question. I feel like sexy is such a loaded subject for me, which is why I was excited about this. And I'm sure it is for most people. Um I think the first time I remember feeling sexy was when I when I was younger and my mom took me. So I'm from a super small town um, in Wyoming and we definitely don't have any of like the big stores. And so we would go shopping sometimes in Salt Lake when we would go to doctor's appointments. And um, my mom took me to like Victoria's Secret and getting to I think like getting to try the bras on in the dressing room by myself, I felt sexy, but I felt guilty about Mm. it. Like I felt like bad or naughty for feeling sexy. Do you know what I mean? I think it was always shameful for me. Um, And I think at that point in life, sexy felt connected to like creepy in a way. (laughs) Let me explain this because this sounds weird. Okay. But um, I feel like I am a, well, my love language is words of affirmation. And so like good words really affect me. Bad words really affect me. And I think so what always made me feel sexy was like someone telling me that I looked sexy or I was sexy and like that external validation at that age. Right. And um, I felt like that always came from people in a creepy way. Mm -hmm. Like it was always like older people who shouldn't be saying it or like people saying it in a, in a way that felt unsafe, Mm -hmm. not like not making me feel beautiful or whatever, but making it seem like I was kind of a piece of meat or something. So sexy to me always felt like, I guess, unsafe Mm. at that age. Um, but the first time I think I felt sexy and felt good about it was when I, so I was working with my acting coach, Hillary Tuck at Warner Laughlin studios, and she is incredible. And I was doing a scene in class and it was kind of like a sexy character. Right. And I was not feeling like, I think I just was feeling very shut off from it. And she called me out after we got done and was like, you, you were, you totally had up a bunch of walls. And I kind of let her know, you know, sexy. I, I don't feel comfortable being sexy. I don't, I always have to make a joke of it. Or, you know, like it has to be a joke, like, oh, you're sexy. Oh, and then I like have to do (laughs) something silly. And so it's always been a, it was always like a weird thing for me. And then 
when so then she gave me a challenge to to do all of my scenes for like the next two months had to be based and rooted in sexuality. And so I was like very uncomfortable about it, really kind of resisted it. Um, and but I did. So for like two months every week, I did a different scene that was either like rooted in sexuality or I like layered it with my own take on sexuality. And it was really hard for me to break through. But I think once I finally felt like that breakthrough, it was almost like I wanted to just cry because I felt like, oh, it's not bad. It's not it's not what I thought it was like sexy doesn't have to be lingerie and sexy doesn't have to be like all these things that I think I had these preconceived ideas of what it was when I was younger, when I finally got done and I just felt like powerful and that I had owned that it was not only groundbreaking for me in my career, but I feel like it was groundbreaking for me in my confidence because I think sexiness and confidence are directly tied And because I was resisting ever coming across as sexy, I feel like I had been living in this Mm. shell and I finally broke out of it and felt ownership slash also, I think I was always trying to exist in the world in a safe way for everybody else. Like, how can I fit into everybody's world, how they need me to? And once I owned my own sexuality, I think I started to feel like, oh, that's not for anybody else anyways. It's for me and and they can perceive it how they want to. But now it's, I guess I felt empowered. That was a really long answer to your question. No, that's okay. It's empowering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there was so much that came up in, in your answer, which I love. And so I'm so curious. So your, your, acting, your acting teacher gave you this challenge of doing mm-hmm. a scene and that somehow involved sexuality or your character felt sexy in some way layered in there for the next two months, you said. So for eight weeks, mm-hmm. you had you had eight mm-hmm. different scenes like this. And you said it was so uncomfortable at first, but then yeah. finally, like, you know, by the end of it, you had had this breakthrough. What do you think caused that breakthrough? What do you think helped? Was it just the repetition? Like, was it like a fake it till you make it situation? Like what, what do you think it was? Well, definitely my, so this class that I I'm in, well, it's paused right now because of the pandemic, but definitely the kind of like the camaraderie that we have and the safety net that we have and every day, every class, she starts us all out sitting in a circle with our eyes closed, um, takes us through breathing exercises and that kind of stuff. And the last thing she's, am I allowed to cuss on this? Yeah, go for it. Whatever okay. You want. <laughs> the last thing she always says is like, we're going to have fun. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to um, like, we're, we're going to have some fucking fun and we're going to fall on our faces. And like, she kind of just sets it out from the beginning. Like, I want you to make mistakes. I want you to mess up. I want you to fall on your face and we're going to be here to catch you. And like, no one's ever going to shame you. And so the cool thing is that class is so rooted in growth and there's just no ego in there. And what's really special about that is like I'm for these eight weeks, you know, working on sexuality, another person in the class might be really struggling with, with, um, dialects. And so for like four weeks, they're only working on dialects. It's just so personal. So since so many people are, are vulnerable about what their kind of like hiccups are, she always like a hiccup in the giddy up or something like that. (laughs) Um, whatever, if you're comfortable being able to have your own growth, I feel like the people around you, 
I mean, like this is just synonymous for life and what I'm really passionate about. We all have a facade on us. Like we are all broken. No one knows what they're doing. No one has any idea what they're doing. And if you can literally just be like, look, I made a mistake or I don't know what I'm doing. It's going to inspire the people around you to do that. So since I was in an environment where my coach was vulnerable, my classmates were vulnerable and everyone was so supportive, I felt like I had the support and the freedom and like the hall pass to do it. I think honestly, it was the permission. And for me, I have to do things multiple times, especially if it's deeply ingrained in me that it's bad or wrong. It takes kind of like some beating out of me until um, until I'm comfortable, kind of like you were saying the repetition. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. Um, how your, your coach says like, we're going to make mistakes. You mm-hmm. know, I have a friend that, uh, gave me, it was dating advice, but it applies here. And she said, fail faster. Just like, go oh, I love there. that fail faster. Like just keep on going, keep going on dates. They might be bad. They might be horrible. Like keep failing and you'll get closer and closer to oh, I love success, that. Right. And I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can totally relate to this experience of trying to kind of break down these walls. You know, um, years ago when I was in, a, in an acting class, I, I could not be vulnerable enough to cry uh-huh. for, for years, for years. I had not cried, which is crazy because oh anyone who knows me for anyone who knows me, like <laughs> I'm, I'm an emotional human being. Like I am, mm. I am a cancer. I am like, I am like through oh, and through, I like, know that. I am very emotional. So, mm-hmm. um, now I'll cry over, over anything. Cause those walls have, that yeah. dam has been broken, but years ago, you know, I had put up all these walls, of course, to prevent myself from getting hurt. Nothing was going to affect me. You know, also I'm this really sensitive, emotional person, you know, in LA, in the, in the film industry. And I felt like I even put up more walls so nothing could get to me. Right. Like my feelings couldn't be hurt if I didn't get this job. So it actually affected my work. It kind of did a, Mm -hmm. a, you know, uh, the opposite for me, um, because I really couldn't get to a vulnerable place to connect with someone on a deep enough level to like, actually be sad, like actually show, so I, I could, I could be every other emotion besides like extreme anger, sadness, disappointment, all the positive ones I had no problem with, but it was those real deep, deep rooted ones. So I remember, mm-hmm. I remember my acting teacher giving me like that goal too. Like you need, like, this is something you need to work on. So I specifically worked on scenes that pushed me to go there and it was so uncomfortable. I failed so many <laughs> yeah. times. I felt like I was faking it so many times until one day I was in class and a tear came out. And like, ever we were all cheering after, <laughs> after the scene, it was like, oh my gosh, there it is. Like I have emotions, right? Like, like finally I just had to break down those walls. And I think for me, it was just that repetition of like having to get uncomfortable and mm-hmm. doing it over and over again, because that, that's how you grow, right? Like you have to be uncomfortable in order for growth to happen. And so I can just totally relate to, to what you're sharing about, like not feeling sexy. Right. And kind of having to mm-hmm. put yourself in that, in that situation until it was finally like this aha moment for you. 100%. Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, I also like, I feel like you are very committed to like self-growth and self-development and like, has this 
always been part of your life or like how how did you kind of get passionate about all this stuff I do think I've always well I don't know if I've always been passionate about self-growth because I think that being passionate about self-growth and wanting to grow um comes with knowing that there are things to grow right like that you're not perfect mm-hmm. and I think I as a kid I felt I was stubborn. And so like, if somebody were to say, oh, I didn't like that or this, I think I always wanted to jump to defense because I am a person who genuinely always has pure intentions. I've never done anything maliciously to hurt somebody. And I never would. My intentions are never, I never go into anything with ill intent. However, sometimes, you know, obviously you still can hurt people and, and things can still not go out come out the way you expected, you can have good intentions and bad execution. But I think because I've always had good intentions, I, in the past would defend those. And by being defensive and not hearing maybe how things might come across, it's hard to grow. Mm -hmm. And so I think what's kind of, I guess you would say humbled me was, um, I have a brother who has cerebral palsy and then my mom was really sick. Um, when I went to college and my grandma passed away. And I just like, I mean, I had like, I think in the span of two years, 14 people that were close to me that had passed away. Like when I left high school to go to college and that really, I think made me realize that I'm not invincible, that people are not invincible. And, and like that moment, I think shifted everything for me. And I realized also all the other people who were grieving around me, you know, when I lost my mom, I realized that there were so many, I think also it was like a, a last ditch attempt of like holding on because I was just going through so much change and sadness. And like when I was in college, I got drugged and like I was homeless first and like I just in college was just rough for me. And I think I was like trying to hold on to hope. And the person who always gave me hope was my mom and she was sick. And so I just was like, someone help me. Right. And so I think the first like book I read was, um, walking in peace, I think is the name of it by Thich Nhat Hanh. Okay. And that was like a meditation book. And that kind of started to open my mind up. And then, um, yeah, I started to kind of just like read some self-help books because I think I was like, help anybody help me. I literally would go onto Google and just like type in help and be like, okay, <laughs> what's going to come up. Oh it was goodness. a rough, it was a rough patch. Yeah. And so that, and then my dad kind of started to get into it. He started reading the power of the now and was kind of like putting that into my head. And so it was really these books, like the untethered soul and, you are a badass. And, um, you know, like, uh, gosh, I could go on forever and ever. I feel like I've read them all. But when I started reading these books, I started to, to realize like, oh my gosh, all these people have gone through so much. And the reason that they're writing this book is because they've grown from it. And I was going to like all these motivational speeches and realizing like, oh, it's so powerful to see somebody come out the other end and be able to have like grown from it. And so that's when I just kind of really got obsessed with it. And, um, and then like with my, and then I think it like went on turbo speed when I moved to LA right after my mom passed away and I didn't know anybody and I didn't have any friends here. And I was just, I mean, now I can say it, but I don't think at the time I was aware enough to know that like I was depressed, Yeah. but I was very depressed. And, um, I was trying to deal with my mom's passing 
by like completely just pretending that it didn't happen, which was really unhealthy. And then I finally was, I started to write little notes for myself. Um, and I'd put them like in my, in my mirror or in my phone case to tell myself things like you are not alone. Everything's temporary, that kind of stuff. And from that period on, I just was like always hiding, I guess now what would have been sort of like an affirmation, right. To myself all around. And from that, I started to like hand them out to people or like hide them in people's things when they weren't looking. Like if I was at a coffee shop and someone went to the bathroom, I'd go put a nice note on their, on their computer. And then seeing the way that people reacted to that, I realized, oh my gosh, we, we're all so broken and we pretend like we're not. And, and that made me realize that I want to not only like have so much growth myself, but I want to inspire others to realize that they aren't alone. And like the first step of being able to grow is realizing, you know, it's okay to be flawed. We're all flawed. Whatever, whatever that even means. Yeah, <laughs> you know I yeah mean? that's so true. Well, yeah. so it's, it's interesting because it kind of sounds like, you know, you're in this period of this depression, which you might not have even been aware of at the mm-hmm. time. And you kind of started to help yourself heal by using your own love language on yourself. Oh my gosh. That's interesting. I did. Yeah. And I, and I always say that like, like the best form of self-love is figuring out your love language and then using it on yourself. And that's what you were Mm. subconsciously doing, which is amazing. (laughs) And I love, and then the even more beautiful thing about you is that you took your grief And you start writing these notes to yourself and then you take those to bring some reminders and happiness into other people's life. Mm -hmm. You know, they might walk away to go to the bathroom. Like Lacey, I I don't, I think 95% of people would never do that. And that's what's (laughs) so beautiful and special is you go and leave a little note and watch how that person reacts and you probably don't even know how it really impacted that person. Like someone else really could be going through, you know, something similar, something completely different, just as difficult. And you could have just changed their life, which is incredible. And I'm guessing like, that's how notes to pass started. Yeah, it is. It was one of those things where I guess it was, it was, I want to say it was completely altruistic, but I think there was a little bit of self-motivation in there in the sense that I, I also believe that like what you put out is what you'll get back. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I think I was, all these notes that I was writing were messages to myself. You know, um, I, I, one, I would always write is although those we love might not be with us physically, we carry them everywhere we go in our hearts. And that can be whether you lost somebody or you, you know, someone you love lives far away, And that's something I was so alone that I had to keep seeing like, Hey, people still love you. They just might not be here. You're still loved. They just might not be around you or the, you are not, you are not alone is huge for me or everything is temporary. That's all stuff that like I needed to be hearing. And so I felt like I was kind of manifesting it by putting it out into the universe and thinking, hopefully this will help someone else as well. But that's when I realized how much we have in common, because if a note that was meant for me in my struggles can help someone else, and I don't even know what they're going through, chances are, no matter what we're feeling, there are like so many people feeling the same thing, but we go to each other in the grocery store or we like, you know, 
you and I, we could see each other four years after we haven't seen each other and run into each other and be like, Hey, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? I'm great. And walk off. You know, you might be really great. Probably. (laughs) No, like you might be going through a breakup. I might be in a lot of pain, like who knows? And we, we, rather than being like, Oh, I'm, you know, I just went through a breakup and I, and I say, Oh yeah, I've been like in a lot of pain. We could have just had a really great 30 minute conversation that was deep, but instead we leave with a smile, fake smile on our face, pretending like everything's fine. And so I'm just like wanting there's balance because you have to find positivity and optimism, but I just want people to just be real and honest, you know, (laughs) I, I totally relate 100% to what you're expressing because you know, that when we were in that, now I know we were in that writing class together. (laughs) Um, the script I was writing was for my short film called the listening hour. And the whole premise of it was the fact that we're not actually listening to other people. And I had the idea to write this film because it just irked me that I would go through life and you would hear people be like, hey, how you doing? And they'd walk by and be like, good, how are you? And then like- And just keep walking? Yes, and they wouldn't actually have a conversation. I'm like, why are we asking these questions if we don't actually care how people are doing? Like, what would the world be like if we really just stopped like caring about how people are doing? And it's, we almost are doing that in day-to-day life by having this surface level, like facade of a conversation of if that's, it's really being polite. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, we feel like we're being polite. Like, Oh, I should say, how are you? How's it going? And then, Oh, I'm good. Like, I don't want to burden them with how I really am doing. So I'm with you 100%. Like let's start having the real conversations because yeah. also we'll feel less alone. Like no one's just totally. great all the time. Totally. And what you just said about the polite thing makes me think a friend of mine, I think Zachariah is the one who told me there's a difference between being nice and being kind Mm. and being kind would be, first of all, if you ask someone, Hey, how are you doing? Don't ask them if you don't have the time or capacity to hear their response. Don't ask them, just say hi. So being nice is, Hey, how are you? Good, good. And keep walking. Being kind would be like, Hey, how are you? And actually yeah. listening. Really? How are you? Tell me. Yeah. Tell me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I agree. Totally. We, we definitely need more of that. And that's why like, I love, like you have those conversations on your podcast and it's like, I like digging deep. Like let's have the conversation here on this show, like really about how we feel about ourselves, what our relationship mm-hmm. has been like, like what conditioned us to believe that we weren't worthy of feeling sexy or worthy of experiencing self-love, right? Because it's like, we're not having those conversations in the media. We're not having those conversations like day-to-day life when we're passing people on the street. So totally. And, and that's why I love your podcast because the subject of sexy is so loaded for so many people. And I think it's really important to have those conversations because, you know, when you, when you watch a show, for example, or you hear somebody in an interview and they express your experience and you feel Mm. heard and seen and validated from listening to someone else's experience, I think that could happen a lot more if more people shared their experience. But I think we're so afraid of how we're going to come across and how we're going to look. So we don't do that enough, but we'd stop feeling it's like a cycle. If, if more people expressed themselves, more people would feel comfortable expressing themselves. But since we don't feel comfortable doing it, We're we not. don't do it. So nobody else is. And it's like, we have to just lead by example. So for totally. what you're doing, you're doing that. You're leading by example, which is great. I mean, you've got me thinking like, okay, I, there's sexy's loaded. I got to 
dig into sexy, I think. Yeah, that's why therapist. you're here. That's why you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and with you. With your therapist, you can really go <laughs> yeah. too. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's a lot of exercises I do with my clients too. And one of them, and I, and I talk about it even on this podcast, or I love talking about it with people just in mm-hmm. life is really breaking out of these boxes that we have been put into, or a lot of times boxes we put ourselves into because we feel like it's just easier that way. And I don't know if you can relate to this because I know you're creative and it seems like you have a lot of different interests and things that you like to be doing, which is how I am, right? Like I've never (laughs) been, yeah, like I've (laughs) never been the type of person who's like, this is like the one, like, I'm going to be a lawyer and that's all I'm doing for my life. Like, this is my career path. Like there were definitely, I wish I could do that. Same. Like there were points <laughs> in my life when I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why can't I just have one thing I want to be doing? And it took me like up until a year ago, really to realize that it's a blessing. Like you and I are actually what I call a rainbow personality. Like we have all like these that. different like colors to what makes us full and complete. And we don't really feel like our most authentic selves, unless we get to do all the things you want to do and express ourselves in that way. But I know for me, it took a lot of work um, of breaking out of those boxes. And some of them were boxes that I had put myself into. Some of them were boxes that other people had put me into, you know, over, over my lifetime. And I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording for the show, but like a big part of my self-love journey was allowing myself to break free from the box of like, I was going to be an actor and a filmmaker because that is what I had decided for my life. That's what everyone Mm -hmm. knew me as. So when I decided that wasn't going to be my one path anymore, like I had to really figure out how to break out of that box and take the power back in my own hands to relabel that box with everything that I thought was possible for myself. So I Mm -hmm. guess like my question for you is, Like, how have you gone throughout your life being, you know, another rainbow personality, you know, not allowing yourself to be just put in a box or how do you kind of help not place yourself in a box? Yeah, that's interesting. I, um, so growing up here, once I'm going to readjust, uh, growing up, I always knew I wanted to be an actress but my parents did not want me to go to acting school. And also I had this like counselor. Oh, he was the worst (laughs) in high school. He was the worst. He would always be like, you're from Wyoming people in Wyoming. That just doesn't happen. Like you're so smart. You should just be a teacher. I used to get that from everybody. You should, you're so smart. You should just be a teacher. And I'm like, okay, great. I'll be a teacher on TV. Bye. Yeah. (laughs) I don't want to be a teacher. Um, and so I think, So I ended up having to go to college, not for acting because my parents wouldn't let me. So I went to college and I was like, I'm going to study everything around acting. Watch Mm. this suckers. Yes, (laughs) So so I, I studied like business communications, filmmaking, media arts, and entertainment management. So the idea was like, let me study everything that they'll let me study that is around that. Like, so I know I'm going to have to have my own business. I'll now know, you know, what does a director do so that I can have more compassion for the, all the different processes within the industry? And then, of course, I just ended up falling in love with everything. I fell in love with the music industry, with the film industry, everything, all of it. And because I was so unaware of like, oh, oh, I, screenwriting is so cool. Cinematography is so cool. All this stuff is so cool. And so when I moved out to L.A., I initially think I kind of just started as like, I'm just going to be an actress. 
And one thing I learned is that's such a trap too, because there's no life balance. Like people who go all into just acting for the most part, it's like eat, sleep, breathe acting, which is fun and fine, but like I need other things to live. And so, you know, realizing, okay, I need to have hobbies that are not just going to lead to something. But then what ended up happening from that is I, you know, felt again, I just fall in love with things when I try them. And so I fell in love with um, screenwriting. And that was mostly because I, I was so sick of reading certain things and being like, oh my gosh. I mean, I'm not trying to be rude, but, but sometimes you read projects and you're like, what is like, this? I could have made this better. Yeah. And it's just so much of the same stuff getting made over and over and over again. And I was like, okay, we need more inclusion. We need more diversity. We need more representation of random different things like, yes, um, race, but also and sexuality, but also like disability awareness. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I wanted to start writing. And then because of writing, you want things to be done the way you want them to be done. So that's what made me want to start producing. And then when you start writing, you start to get such a strong vision in your head where I'm like, okay, I want to direct this. And so it's just because I'm so passionate about, I think for me, it's not necessarily the fame. It's the art of it that I just get so like turned on by all the different parts of the process and they just excite me in the same way. So it was definitely an evolution. And I think a lot of it was thanks mom and dad for not letting me. study what I wanted to study. <laughs> yeah. Or you never would have learned about all those things. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have been the actor on set. I don't know. I'm not Curious. my personality. I don't think I would ever have taken it for granted, Yeah. but I definitely, or taken it. Yeah. But I definitely think that having to see things from other perspectives opened me up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I'm exactly the same way as you, because I never wanted to choose one. Like, and that's mm-hmm. why And that's why ultimately it was hard for me when I was in LA because I was like, I don't want to just act. Like I also, I also want to produce. But then when people would tell me like, you're a great producer, like you need, like you would be an amazing (laughs) producer. Like you need to, like, that is your focus. Like, you know, like I turned down a produce, a great producing job opportunity because I was like, well, that means I can no longer act. And like, but that's so not true. But like at the time, you know, like Mm -hmm. that is just what I thought you know, and also was kind of made to believe, like, I didn't want to choose one or the other. And it's like, and I get it because you write a film and you're like, I know this is exactly how it's going to look. I need to direct it. So it's like, (laughs) I I get it. It's like, you're, you want to do all of the things. Have you ever Mm -hmm. felt this pressure that you had to pick one or like what helps you? I I don't know. Cause I guess I'm just curious because I, that was something I really struggled with is I felt like I almost in order to succeed, anything to this point where like I would be whatever successful even means but Mm -hmm. it would be like my one thing you know I didn't have to work any other jobs I didn't have to like I felt like I would have to pick one and really focus on it yeah I feel that I felt that a lot because but again it's always externally it's when someone tells me like you need to pick one thing and focus on that and I'm like you're right and then I think no screw that (laughs) I don't know I think I've always, because the people whose careers I I admire the most are people like the Duplass brothers or Issa Rae, these people who are create, like they're creators. Creators. They're not just actors. 
don't get me wrong. I love collaborating. So I would love to just be brought in and just act on your project and leave. That's nice. It's nice to not have to do any of the other stuff because yeah. that's, it's also stressful doing too much stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that it was always for me, it was just like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just love it all so much that it's hard for me. It's hard for me to choose. But the question was, do I, do I ever feel um, the pressure to choose one? And Lately, yes, because thank you to the pandemic. It's been great because I've had so much time to work on stuff. But then I'm like, I want to be a children's book author. I want to be a public speak. Like to me, my ideal life is to be writing, producing, and acting, and also doing public speaking engagements for youth and the podcast, and then also writing books you know, like novels and self-help books. And that's like my dream. And it's too much to do all at one time. And so I have to focus on one thing at a time and that's hard for me, but I don't think I I need to decide that I have to pick one forever. I think I can say, I'm going to focus on writing this and then we'll see what happens. Do I want to sell it? Do I want to produce it? And then when I get there, I can make that decision and then work on that for a moment. Sorry, I just hit my mic. And then um, at that moment, do I want to have something to do with Poe? Like, you know, I think I can go step by step. And then once that project is done, then do I want to write a book? I think it's like, I just, because what I've been doing recently, I don't know if people should take this advice because like <laughs> what I've been doing recently is like, wake up, write, uh, you know, do some work. And then I'm like, I'm doing voiceover. I'm doing, you know, theatrical commercial auditions and I'm writing a TV show and writing a film and then working on children's books and doing public speaking engagements and working on the podcast. And I'm very fulfilled, but it makes everything a little slower. So it would be better if I chose one, but I just, it's just not me. I just can't. And you have to do, <laughs> no, and you shouldn't. And you shouldn't choose one if you don't feel like that's what's going to make you happy. Like, because what you explained as your ideal life, like there's no reason that can't be your ideal life forever for the rest of your life. You know, like I have no doubt that's going to happen. I, and it's amazing that you um, are brave enough. I think, I think what that is, is you being brave enough to choose you. Like you're choosing, yeah, like you're choosing like, well, I need to make sure I'm staying committed to what makes me feel, feel fulfilled and happy at the end of the day, than just choosing something that I feel like is going to, um, get done first or be, be, you know, more of a success than this other thing. And, you know, I, I just asked you that question because that was something that I personally struggled with a lot. And sometimes I feel the same way because there is mm-hmm. so much like I have my podcast growing my business, like I'm writing a book, like all these different things that I'm like, okay, do I just like put one to the side for right now and focus on one or, but it's like, but I want to get all of them going still. So it's like, mm-hmm. I totally relate. It's like, I, yeah, I think there's the balance. Yeah. It's the balance of what's a good business strategy. And also Mm -hmm. what's making me happy in this very, very moment. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And yeah, you have to have that balance because you can't just be like every day I'm doing hobbies for fun because that's not going to get you anywhere. But you also can't be like, if you're too business side and focusing on just one thing for me, I don't feel very creative because what happens, this is why I do it. And 
how I'm talking about this, you can tell it's still like, it's definitely an <laughs> internal struggle, but what happens is I'll be like writing something and so passionate about that and focusing just on that. And then all of a sudden I get this idea for something else. And if I don't act on that in that moment, I feel like that's all I'll be thinking about while I'm working on this other thing. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's ADHD. Mm. <laughs> well, I think also like you're just a very creative person. So I feel like that's probably something that most create creatives do experience because like your creativity, like you, you have it flowing writing. So like that floodgate is open. So other, like other ideas are coming to you because <laughs> yeah. it's open. So you're like, okay, well if, if it's open and they're coming, like I better act on it quick. Yeah, definitely. That's a whole, that is a complex. That is like yeah. a two, two year conversation. Oh right my there. gosh. We can go <laughs> on and on about that. Okay. So I, I actually want to dive into your sexy acronym. Okay. So cool, let's do it. The first part of sexy is satisfy. So mm-hmm. at this point in your life, what are the things, no matter how big or small that just bring you joy? Okay. This is really great. The answer to this, I know 100%. (laughs) I love kids and youth just so much. And what's been making me very, making me feel a lot of joy recently, all is related to kids, actually. I've been being asked to speak to sixth through 12th graders about different things. Um, One time it was about you know, how to be a good friend, how to ensure you have good friends and how to be there for yourself. That brought me a lot of joy because they were engaging and the conversations with them were just so youth is so special because they, they haven't fully been, they don't have the film over them fully of society yet. And they're so much more wise and capable than people give them the credit to be. And so if you actually meet them at their level and don't talk to them, like they're a kid, you can learn so much from them. So I've been really enjoying these speaking engagements and also my niece and my nephew, but my niece, especially she, she is like all about, uh, singing right now. She's six or no, she she just turned seven, but she, um, she's been like, so she wrote a poem one time and called me and I was like, Oh, it's like a song. You could be a songwriter. And she felt I think inspired by that. And so she started writing songs and then calling me to sing them to me. And she would literally do it for like an hour if I let her. So I bought her a microphone for Christmas and like a little book to write her songs in just trying to kind of like, you know, help, help make her feel confident in that. Yeah. Encourage her. And so now we have this thing where she calls me and sings to me these songs that she's written since we last spoke. And like, sometimes they'll be like, um, you know, she'll clearly have just seen her activity book on the shelf and she'll be like, this song is called activity book. <laughs> activity. And anyways, it just is so, um, that's where I've been finding my joy recently is just like interacting with youth. Oh my gosh. I love that so much. It's, it makes me sometimes like when I get into these speaking engagements, I'm like, don't cry, don't Aww. cry, don't cry. But it's like happy cry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that gift was given to you for a reason. Like that's, that's amazing. Thank you. Okay. So the next part of sexy is ego. So I don't actually think ego is a bad word. I think we have our healthy ego and our unhealthy ego. Our ego is literally the relationship that we build with our self-esteem and our self-worth. And I think it's important to feed our healthy ego 
you know, uh, not, not our, not our unhealthy ego because we all have both sides in us. So what is your relationship at this point in your life? Like with your self-esteem and your self-worth? I think it's probably the best that it's been ever. And that is because I think I have let myself be more real. I think I've stopped trying to like put the facade up for everybody of like, Hey, everything is perfect and life is good, you know? Yeah. And I've started to allow myself to connect with people. And so I feel like my self-worth has gone up because I've realized like, here's a perfect example on Instagram. I used to put like post what I thought people would want to see. And when I stopped doing that and I started just posting what made me happy and like who I actually am. And what that is normally is like trying to encourage other people. I felt like my worth comes from what I'm able to offer Mm. other people. And recently I've been, you know, having great conversations with people and getting people reaching out to me saying, whether it's like my dive deep question of the day or my episode of the podcast or my little reminder of the day dance videos that I do, or a note that I made when someone reaches out to me and says that that like made them feel good. It reminds me that when I kind of like set my, I guess, unhealthy ego aside to be real and vulnerable with somebody, it helps them. And that makes me feel a sense of worth. And, um, yeah, it was my self-worth. And what was the other, what was the other thing? Oh, self-esteem, self-esteem. I'm, I'm still working on this because sometimes I'm not very nice to myself, to be honest. You know, I think that's that we all struggle with that, whether we say we do or not. Um, I think my self-esteem, Actually, I can tell you right now, my self-esteem is good when I sleep, when I get enough sleep, when I drink enough water, when I eat enough food, when I get outside and spend a little bit of time in the sun, when I um, do different coping techniques that I've learned from therapists and people on the internet, whether it's like the like tapping or um, like different grounding techni- techniques, meditation, that kind of stuff. When I set my anxiety aside by setting myself up for success by just doing things that root my body in the present moment, I have higher Mm self-esteem. But when I'm feeling very anxious because of things I can't control and I'm trying to control them by overthinking them in my head, my self-esteem is not good because I'm just like, I have these mean, it's like I have these two, like these little mean people in my head and they're like fighting. And once they start, yeah. Yeah, if I calm down, they calm down and they're like hugging. <laughs> they're like, let's love each other. They're like, love each other. <laughs> so are there any, like, I know you talked about a lot of different tools and stuff that you'll utilize. Mm-hmm. Are there any, um, are there any of those or like any other self-love practices that like you have to do every day? It's like a non-negotiable. Yeah, my non-negotiable is morning pages. The okay. um, Yeah, so uh, for anybody who doesn't know, m- morning pages, it's kind of like a brain dump in the morning where you, I write three pages longhand, um, without a filter at all, just whatever I would, even if I would never even say it to anybody, just what I need to get out of my head. That helps me so much to get out of my head and doing it every day, even when I have nothing to say, and I'm just writing, I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say. I have nothing to say for like three pages. It's still helpful. Um, that is a non-negotiable for me. I also like to go to bed early and my other non-negotiable is I do no technology in my room. So I don't have like a TV. I don't bring my computer. I don't, um, 
use my phone. I don't do any of that in my bedroom. So that way, when I come in my room, that's where I sleep. That's where I meditate. That's where I relax. It's not a space to bring any busy work Mm. into. And um, another thing about my room that I have to do every day is make my bed first thing in the morning. And every night I, (laughs) every night I set out my clothes for the next day, my vitamins, my glass of water, my um, planner with my pen in it and my paper for my morning pages. And I wake up in the morning, I make my bed, I get completely ready. I do my morning pages, take my vitamins, you know, all that kind of stuff before I look at my phone. And if I, sometimes I, you know, relapse, I guess you'd say, (laughs) but on those days I'm like very chaotic in my head. But for me, it's like having control over the things I can control to make sure I'm setting myself up for success. So those are kind of my like daily non-negotiables and every day I have a dance party. (laughs) Gotta love that. At least one. (laughs) So you have a, you have a, quite a few of things on your list that you've learned, like that's what is going to set you up the best for your day and help you feel like the most like you have higher self-esteem. And a lot of that is setting boundaries in place, which I also love. Mm -hmm. I love hearing that. Yeah. Setting boundaries and habits. And like, don't get me wrong. This wasn't all just one, like this didn't just happen. I've been doing a lot of work on building habits and focusing on one thing at a time and really doing that. So like my goal for last year was make my bed first thing in the morning, every single day. And now it's a habit Mm -hmm. because I do that. Or, you know, like same with morning pages, I'll do the artist way for 12 weeks. By the end of the 12 weeks, it feels like a habit. So if I focus on one tool and then I, you know, I focus on that for a year or many months until it's a habit, then I add on another tool. And so, um, and the thing that I've learned this is from a friend, Nicole. She's like, you have to give yourself grace because yeah. some days, you know, I have something first thing in the morning and I, I don't wake up in time to do my morning pages or I, you know, um, am really tired when I go to physical therapy. So I don't make my bed till I get home. Like it doesn't happen often, but when it does, it's like, rather than feeling punished or like shamed or guilty for doing, doing something wrong. I try to give myself grace and be like, okay, I can do it tomorrow. It's fine. You know, be nice to myself. Yeah. So it's okay. I love that. That's important too, to say that. (laughs) Definitely. Okay. So the next one is external opinions. So how often do you let what other people think or say affect you and your decisions? This is definitely like my biggest flaw for sure. I, again, am a words of affirmation person. So Words are rough on me. I mean, I literally like, you know, it's like you can read a hundred good reviews and one bad review. And then all of a sudden you feel bad for, for me anyways. And then I feel bad for a while or somebody says something mean, or I don't know, I I interpret in a certain way. I'm, I'm working on external validation because I really do feel affected by it, but I've been getting better. And what's been making me feel much better about this is, um, I have these mentors, Joe Town and Hillary Tuck, and they gave me these tools on how to seek internal validation, especially like after an interview or a class. And that is reflecting on one thing that I had control over that went well. And one thing I had control over that I would do differently next time and asking myself those questions before going and talking to someone about how it went or asking for feedback or anything 
trying to teach myself how to um, rely on how I feel Mm. rather than how other people felt. Mm. And so I'm working on that and it's getting better, but it is something that I struggle with for sure. Yeah. And I think it's something that like anyone who's listening would like struggles with. I mean, we're all human. So it's like, I think that this is always the, the most difficult one. And it's like, Thank you for like answering super like transparently and being so honest, by the way, because it is hard. And I think a lot of us want to say like, oh no, like I don't, I don't let it affect me. Right. Cause we think that that's what we should say. Like, that's the right thing to say. It's the cool thing to say, but it's not necessarily always the most honest (laughs) answer. Yeah. No, I let it affect me. I really do. I don't, I don't want to, of course, and I'm working on it. But it is something that I struggle and, with. And thank you for sharing uh, that practice you do too of like mm-hmm. figuring out what was one thing that I can control that went well and what's one thing I can control that I could do differently, right? Those were the two yeah. things, which I love because that's a great practice. Like, like I might think of that the next time or anyone who's listening, mm-hmm. like, you know, figure that out for yourself first before you're getting like outside opinions and comments. And yeah. Everything. So like going into an, going into a podcast episode or going into an interview or an audition or a date, whatever. Mm-hmm. And before you go to this thing, tell yourself, come up with yourself. What is my intention? And it has to be something you can control. It's not like I'm going to go into this date and this person's going to marry me Yeah. or I'm going to this job and I'm going to get it, or I'm going to this audition and I'm going to book a series regular. You can't control those things. No matter how great you are, how sexy you are, how smart, none of that, you can't control it. So a controllable intention would be going into this environment and being like, I'm going to listen, or I'm going to have fun, or I'm going to be present like those Mm -hmm. kinds of things that you can control. And so when you leave and you're reflecting on what went well and what could be better next time, rather than being like, what went well, they really loved me. They told me that they love me. I think I'm going to get the job. What could be, what could be, what went wrong? Um, Oh, I suck at this and that and that, whatever, you know, no, what went well that you had control over? Well, I wanted to listen and I listened. I, 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 I listened. It's like, what went well that I did and what's something I could do better. I felt like maybe I um, was third eyeing myself. I was, you know, so maybe next time I could practice a little more grounding before I go in. So yeah. you're, it's, it's like harnessing growth rather than um, internal validation being just like this negative self-talk or like trying to inflate your ego. You're actually trying to grow. Yeah. Which is great. Like, isn't that the point of life? <laughs> Like, yeah, growth. we want to grow and do better. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, if we were all the same that we were when we were like four years that old, that would just be horrible. That would be rough. <laughs> well, like we wouldn't even be living in houses. Like I, I don't know what this, what the world would be like. Who would change our diapers? Yeah, if we exactly. never changed. <laughs> exactly. We'd have to. We would all change each other. Somehow, animals <laughs> would figure out how to. They Take animals would be ruling the world. Probably. <laughs> it would definitely be dogs. Yes, let's be honest. <laughs> okay, so the last part of sexy is a yearn. So what is next for you? What are you just really excited about for your future? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Things I'm excited about. I'm really excited about getting our second season out of Make Sure Your Friends Are Okay. It makes me so happy. So getting that out, I'm excited. I have another youth um, conference that I'm speaking at in May that I'm really excited about. So that's something that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm working on a TV show that makes me, that I'm writing, that makes me very happy. So I'm looking forward to being able to like continue to move that forward. Um, 
And I just signed with a new manager and um, a new voiceover agent and really like them. So I'm like yearning for what's going to be, what's going to come of this new relationship. Um, and yeah, so I, I think there's just, I could go on and on because I'm excited about a lot of things, but I definitely have put a lot of eggs into some baskets and I have some, it's, oh, no, I guess, I guess this is a better analogy. I've like planted some seeds in a couple mm. different gardens Ooh, and I'm it. really excited to like water them, watch them grow and see what comes of them. Mm. Not, not, I don't have any like um, expectations for the podcast or the show or any of that. I'm just kind of excited to see yeah. where all these things go. Like we don't yeah. know what the seeds where you planted. Is it flowers that are going to grow? Are they fruit trees that are going to grow? Ooh, like, I like we that. don't yeah, we, I had seeds. I don't yes. know what they are. <laughs> yes, we're going to find out. I love that. I like that. Yeah, I love Hopefully that. Hopefully it's so not much. a weed seed. <laughs> not no. like not like marijuana, but I mean like no. like weeds that are going to take over the garden. No. They're I already know they're not. <laughs> okay. <good. laughs> We can Thanks. make that decision. We we were able to control that. Okay, this was the con- we that have was the something that is yes. not a weed. Yes. Okay, yes. great. It's, not, it's only beautiful things that will add add to your life. That. We love that, right? Yay. So exciting. <laughs> so, at this point in your life, what does sexy mean to you now? I know that you said, you know, before it was you know, a lot of shame involved, a lot of um external kind of opinions like at this point who Lacey is the woman she is right now what does sexy mean to you it's definitely so different than it used to be which is very exciting um (laughs) I think sexy to me what I find sexy is someone being very someone knowing who they are or owning who they are and what they love and being passionate about that Mm. and being kind so I feel like when I think someone is sexy, I find them to be passionate, kind, and just owning who they are. If they're a funny person, owning that. If they're not, if they're a compassionate person, owning that. Whatever it is, I don't think it is one thing. I just think it's owning who you are and allowing for room to grow and learn and explore. So I feel like, and when I feel sexy now, I feel sexy you know, after I crushed an audition and I felt good about it, I feel like I walk away with like pep in my step. I know I'm feeling sexy when I'm walking down the street and I feel like I'm in a music video. (laughs) If you ever have that experience, I literally like when I'm feeling really good, I'm like walking to a beat and I feel like I'm in hairspray or something. I don't know. And so that's normally after a really good audition, a really good interview, a good meeting, um, after I wrote something that I felt like really good about, like, that's when I feel sexy or when I'm, when I'm being myself without a filter. Yeah. So if I'm walking, you know, through Trader Joe's and music's playing and I'm feeling comfortable enough to like, kind of be grooving a little bit as I'm like grabbing yeah. my produce that feels sexy because I'm not worried about what other people around me are thinking or about me. Yeah. That's when I feel sexy when I don't care if someone thinks I'm sexy. Yeah. Totally. Totally. I I can totally relate to that 100%. It's like, you no longer care. Like, first of all, dancing inside of Trader Joe's, like that's, that's a party. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Who's not, I love Trader Joe's. I'm obsessed with Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. They're so nice. They're just, I just like want to hug them. Is it the, do you go to the Trader Joe's in Toluca Lake? I go to all the Trader oh, okay. Joe's. Just kidding. I go to the Trader Joe's, um, mostly the one on Ventura and Laurel. 
in Studio City. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. hard for me to remember. I don't, I don't remember. Anyways, now we're getting off topic, but, <laughs> but, but yes. What makes you feel sexy? Yes. Trader Joe's. Yes. Trader Joe's. <laughs> this episode is sponsored yeah, by Trader, Trader Joe's. <laughs> That'd be amazing if it was. Be Trader so Joe's makes us feel sexy. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, focus, focus. Okay. So what is one character trait of yours that you think is sexy? A character trait that I think is sexy. I think, um, oh, it's, you know, it's really cool. (laughs) This has never happened before that. I just had multiple come to mind like that is, which is amazing because normally I would be fishing for that. And like really looking. So that just was like a win for me. So let's celebrate them. What are they? Uh, That's really, yeah, we. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like a character trait that I find sexy is that I am kind, like genuinely kind um, to people no matter who they are. Like I don't find myself to be discriminatory over who's deserving of my love and support and kindness. Um, I think that that's something that is sexy. I think, um, my, like, I'm very, (laughs) I'm very, I don't know. I wouldn't say my, I don't know about my sense of humor. It's very just me and just, I'm just goofy and weird. And, um, in a, in a, in a way that's very unique to me, like, I'm not, trying to be and I used to be embarrassed because I I just have like my friends would say social Tourette's where I just like say stuff that I don't think about and it's normally embarrassed I normally embarrass myself a lot but I think now I'm like I own it and laugh at it and I think that that's sexy because I'm not so self um like taking yourself serious you're not taking yourself too seriously I'm not taking myself so seriously anymore yeah and I'm also not so self-conscious that's what I was yeah yeah So that's, I feel like sexy. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I have a couple, but mostly just, wow. And I'm not now, I see, that. but this is where the shame is coming in. Now no. I'm like, oh, look, no. I'm, I'm sounding egotistical. You're see, not. this is something I'm working on. I have a win of multiple things coming yes. into my mind. And then I have that thing that's pushing back at me being like, be humble, sit down, be humble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, stand up. You are allowed to like have more than one thing that you're proud of. You're allowed to have these mm-hmm. character traits that you feel like are sexy, especially because they're things that you work hard at every day. Like you're, right. you're aware of them. That, yeah. I think that that's what it is. The things that I've worked on are what make me feel sexy, yeah. like feeling comfortable, 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 comfortable. <laughs> and, and like confident in my own skin and my own personality, mm-hmm. like owning my own personality. I mm-hmm. think for so long, I was again, trying to be what I thought people wanted me to be. And once I've stopped doing that and like owning it, that makes me feel sexy. Yeah. I think so freeing. So yeah. what is, what is a physical trait of yours then that you think is sexy? Um, oh my gosh, weird. I have no idea why the first thought in my mind was this freckle on my arm. I literally, <laughs> that sounds so specific and I and love you know, that so I don't much. know why you're like what's something physical you like about yourself I'm like my oh, arm freckle that was weird okay sorry rewind no, that's not I my answer I love that so much <laughs> that was so weird that was like a very specific <laughs> thing that popped in my brain that I've never thought of before. it was specific um, and I loved every second of it <laughs> I definitely used to be very self-conscious about my eyes because they're very big um but now I, I really like them. I feel like they are such a part of me and, and make me very unique and different. And that is something that is really special again, because so for anyone who's younger and listening, like that was my biggest insecurity 
when I was younger. And for that to be the thing that I feel most sexy about now is like kind of the biggest life win, right. Yeah. To go from something that was so insecure, so insecure about to being able to love it the most. Um, yeah, definitely. So my eyes, that's like a, such a powerful mindset shift too. I think, I think a lot of people actually grow up being insecure about some sort of physical feature that later in life, like they end up actually being grateful for, right? Because like you learn that it makes you unique. It right. makes you, you just, different. I just had that epiphany. Like you just woke something up in my mind. The things that we get teased about and we're most insecure yeah. about when we're younger are the things that make us different. Yeah. But and they're like our what? biggest, our like biggest gifts and like our biggest assets. Yeah. To make us who we are. Wow. That's really magical yeah. because that's also the things that most of us change. We either put a filter over those things or we get surgery to fix those yeah. things, whatever. And I'm not like, like, you know, I do whatever that's people your choice. Yeah. That, yeah. But I'm just saying a lot of the things that we're most insecure about when we're younger, you just made me realize that can be our biggest superpower because those are the things that make us the most different. Yeah. That's pretty special. Yeah, wow. exactly. Exactly. I know we could probably talk on and on about that, yeah. but but yeah, oh, I know special. it's one of my like favorite things. Um, okay. So my last question for you, who is one woman that you think of as a sexy woman and why? Oh, one woman. That's hard. Um, I feel like I have so many. Um, I think, hmm, you know, what's coming up for me right now, which is interesting and kind of amazing is um so there's this uh she's I guess you would say she's a model and an activist and a gymnast um who has down syndrome okay. and her name is well her Instagram name is Showtime Werner I think w-e-r-n-e-r she's a special olympic athlete okay and she models for Aerie and I just think I just I think she's sexy because she is so passionate about like, you know, disability awareness and activism and equality and being herself. And I, I just always have loved people who have down syndrome because they, they are just so pure and real. And I don't know. I, I just find that like vulnerability and ownership and accountability is so sexy. And so it's weird that I, I don't know why I feel weird saying that, but I think oh. that I feel like she is somebody that comes up for me or like Chelsea Hill. She's a, a wheelchair dancer activist. And I just think, again, it's somebody owning their circumstances and their life and putting it out there and making the world aware of it and showing different types of sexy. Cause you think when you yeah. think sexy, right. You're like Megan Fox or, you know, those kinds of people, but no, I think it's more sexy when people are. Yeah. I, I don't know. I find that to be more yeah. sexy. And they're still, they're still pursuing what they're passionate about. Yeah. People who like, despite all the odds continue to push through. And, and yeah. I think that in, it doesn't, you don't have to have down syndrome or be in a wheelchair. Yeah. You, it's just, I mean, it can literally be, you've had a challenging life. I mean, like I find you to be extremely sexy. You <laughs> no, seriously, no, seriously. And like, <laughs> even on your little TikToks that you do, I'm like, she's just got it going on. Cause you, a, the fact that you're doing this and you're like putting yourself out there and you're 
so passionate about it, but also that you are like making other people aware of, of their own sexiness and stuff. Like, I think that that anytime it's somebody owning something and putting themselves out there and being vulnerable and working hard and like, you know, for you defying the odds of having a career change in life and, um, you know, moving and all this, like you've gone through all these things and to be able to be like, this is what I'm passionate about and having it be something like you don't make a million dollars on a podcast at first. And so to put the time aside to record the podcast, edit it, to market it, shows that you're really passionate about it. You're scheduling it. You like, you run it so professionally and you do such a great job and like that sexy. Thank you. You're like, I'm getting hot. I'm sweating over here. I'm like, stop talking about me. (laughs) No, thank you. You're so sweet. Oh my gosh. I just loved being able to have you on my show and connect with you. Like it's been way too long. Like I, you're just, you're so, I just, like I said, I'm so inspired by you every day. I I'm like a huge cheerleader. Like I'm your biggest fan. I just think you're such a beautiful soul. And I I just love what you're doing and I will just continue cheering you on. And hopefully if I make it to LA, I can come visit you and we can catch up. Yes. I would love that. Definitely. And thank you for having me on. Oh my this has been so much fun. Of we have course. to do like a clubhouse together or something. Let's, at some point. let's do it. I feel like we could talk, we could go deep and talk about so many things. Yes, like for that's my jam. so many combos. Um, okay. But before we go, can you tell yes. everyone where they can find you, follow you, all the things? Yes. Don't physically find me because that's weird. Yeah, we Just won't kidding. do that. Just like virtually. <laughs> virtually you can find me. Um, uh, well, you can listen to the podcast at um, on Apple or Spotify. It's called the Make Sure Your Friends Are Okay podcast. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Lacey Geomalley. <clears throat> that's spelled L-A-I-C-E-G-O-M-A-L-L-E-Y. Yeah. And I'll tag and, it off um, too. Great. I don't ever get on Twitter, but you can follow me there if you want to. I just don't get it. And sometimes I make TikToks. Everything's the same. It's all named the same. Yeah. So you can find okay. me there. And you call me, separate... beat me if you want to reach me. Yes, I like that. Kim Possible. <laughs> do you have a um a separate Instagram for your notes? Yeah, I do. It's um notes to pass. So notes and then the number two pass. And um, I need to be a lot better about posting them. <laughs> Well, they're beautiful. You like, thank you. you. Like you like creatively do them all. Like they're all like colorful and I don't know yeah, I like paint so, them and they're so pretty. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. So make sure everyone go follow her. I mean, the notes are amazing too. It'll be like just a little happy reminder for your day. So thank you so much, Lacey. Thank you so much. Mwah. Mwah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. For more information, visit findyoursexy.co or follow me on social media at Kelsey Valletta. And if you would like to leave a five-star review of the show, I would be so grateful. Actually, I can't think of anything that would be more sexy.